0: Welcome, my name is Paul Reese, and I have the privilege of being one of the pastors here at Shard Chapel. Uh, If I could underline uh, what Amy was saying, uh, there is a very helpful um, website that CARE have put together with some ways that they suggest that you might consider responding to the specific consultation questions. So if you're thinking, I'm not quite sure how to answer that guide, well, have a look at the guide that is offered by CARE. If you could put CARE on the website, they'll help you think about... Uh, using your own words, but formulating responses to this important consultation uh, about um, legalizing killing people, which we don't think is a very good idea. Also, the Christian Institute have got a very good guide about how you could respond also um, to the the proposal to ban gay conversion therapy. Now, the challenge that we're finding as Christians is that we're not exactly one to advocate for gay conversion therapy, because we don't exactly know what gay conversion therapy means exactly. Uh, I'm not a therapist. I've never tried to convince anyone with same-sex attraction if they become a Christian that that's going to change their sexual orientation. But we do want to uh, preserve Christian freedoms of simply teaching what God's Word has to say and praying with people. And many people have come to me uh, saying that they have actually got same-sex desires, but they are wanting to follow Jesus, and they realize that for them, that's going to mean celibacy as single people, and they ask for prayer. Now, our concern about the current legislation, uh, and there's forms of it, uh, both with the assisted dying bill, both in Holyrood and in Westminster, and the same, uh, the same issues is look, being looked at by both parliaments with Gay conversion Therapy. Our concern is that some of the advocates promoting uh, this bill are including non-coercive gentle things like praying with people and teaching God's word and we fear that unless uh, the, the legislation is carefully articulated that it could curb basic gospel freedoms. Of course we're opposed to all abhorrent coercive techniques on any human being Uh, That would be completely wrong, but we want to preserve Christian freedoms where we can teach God's word, and, and, and when people ask, that we can pray with them, that they can live lives that honor Christ. So please give consideration to the CARE website, the Christian Institute website, over those particular issues, because now is the time to respond to consultations Uh, As bills come, then it becomes more important that we respond to MSPs and MPs as it gets debated in the various houses. But now is a consultation. It's a good time to respond to those consultations. Anyway, I wasn't going to say that, but as Amy talks about that today, thank you. Well, let's pray as we come to God's word, shall we? Father, your word tells us that we need your power as God's people to grasp your great love for us. And so we ask now that you would empower us and strengthen us to begin to sense the magnitude of your overwhelming love for us in Christ Jesus. And that this knowledge would hold us firm in the storms of life. We ask this in Christ's precious name. Amen. Well, what are you convinced of today? What is the bedrock conviction that holds you steady in the storms of life? When the doctor confirms to you that, yes, you do have cancer. When you experience chronic pain or your body fails you. When your partner is diagnosed as having Alzheimer's when you experience suffering and hardship, when you lose someone you love? What absolute convictions will hold you fast? And what convictions will hold you steady when you face threats or persecutions as a Christian? Now, here are some of the things that happened in the world in September. On the 26th and 27th, Fulani assailants in Kaduna State, Nigeria, killed at least 49 people. Houses were burned, 27 people were abducted, and most of those were members of an evangelical church in Gabachua community. 15 Christians have been arrested in Eritrea and given a maximum prison sentence because police discovered that they had a list of Christian contacts. There are now to believe, uh, believed to be 160 Christian prisons in Eritrea. And an 83-year-old Christian woman in Uganda has been hospitalized for over two weeks uh, following the attack, uh, the injuries that she received as she was attacked by an Islamic extremist who posed as a pastor, attacking her in her own home. She was giving refuge to two Christian young men, an 18-year-old or 22-year-old who recently converted from Islam to Christianity, and when the attackers failed to find the men, they turned instead on her, beating her and kicking her. Now, what convictions will hold you steady if you should experience such things? Well, please open your Bibles back up to Romans chapter eight. Romans chapter 8. And why don't you have a look at verse 38 to see again what the Apostle Paul was convinced of. Romans 8 verse 38. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor the future, Nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The love of God was the rock solid security of the Apostle Paul. He was convinced. And so. What are we convinced of in the trials and hardships that we will experience in our lives? Because the truth is that suffering and loss can shake our confidence. I've heard a number of non-Christians say to me, I can't believe in a God who allows such suffering in the world. And if you spent time in a church where you've been taught That you can receive healing for all your diseases or that you will experience financial prosperity and success in your life if only you have enough faith and, and give a bit of money, then any sickness or setback will be compounded with a deep sense that it must be all your own fault. You just didn't have enough faith or you just didn't give enough money. And so it's vital that we actually possess a biblically rooted theology of suffering that we have a biblical realism about life. And so I want us to understand this morning the logic of what gave the Apostle Paul such security. And my prayer really this morning is that we'll all come to the same conviction and assurance. Take a look at verse 31. What then shall we say in response to all these things? So Paul is bringing everything in, he has written in chapter 8 uh, to a sort of a summary conclusion. Quite possibly he's bringing the whole of the letter uh, in these verses to a summary conclusion. Last week we saw the big picture of what God is doing uh, and accomplishing in the lives of Christians. You see, when we experience hardship and sorrow, it's as if we've only got one piece Of the jigsaw puzzle and if you've just got one piece of a jigsaw puzzle it's very hard to make out the big picture isn't it you don't know what to do with it but here's the big picture of what God has for his people look at verse 28 we looked at it last week look back at verse 28 and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who've been called according to his purpose For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. It seems that God is into recycling. If recycling is the process of, you know, converting waste materials into new materials and objects, well, then God is recycling the mistakes the hardships, the pain, the disappointments into something glorious. And what is that? Well, that we will become more like Jesus. We'll be conformed to the image of his son so that one day we too will stand with Jesus in glory as brothers and sisters of Jesus in his new creation. And so it turns out that nothing is wasted in the life of the Christian all things work to this ultimate good. And so verse 31, what should we say in response to all these things in the light of the reality of suffering and yet the sovereignty of God? What can we say about the ultimate security of the Christian? Well, in verses 31 to 39, he asks a series of questions, and they're almost defiant questions. they sort of Uh, Dare anyone who is listening to doubt the great security of the Christian. So let's consider these questions that led Paul to have such a deep-seated conviction. The first one, is there any enemy that can defeat us? Is there any enemy that can defeat us? We'll have a look at verse 31. If God is for us, Who can be against us? Now, if we'd only had that last bit, who can be against us, we could actually come up with quite a formidable list. Well, unbelievers can be in opposition to us. We can feel the disapproval of our society for upholding biblical values today. And our friends in Eritrea and Uganda and Nigeria, well... It, it, for them, it can take the form of beatings and loss of homes and, and buildings and being enslaved and imprisoned. Indwelling sin, that's a powerful source that can assault us. Death is the ultimate enemy, as, the, as, uh, uh, as is the evil one. So the world, the flesh, and the devil are all too strong for us. That's the truth of it. They're all too strong for us. But Paul doesn't just ask the question, who's against us? He asks this question, if God is for us, who can be against us? And just a moment's reflection settles our hearts, doesn't it? The God who creates the whole universe with his words, the God who continues to sustain it moment by moment. If this God who foreknew us and predestined us, and called us, and justified us. If this God is for us, who can be against us? No enemy can defeat us if this God is for us. This is what uh, the saints of old knew by faith. Just think about David and Goliath. The whole army of Israel is being mocked by this giant warrior called Goliath. And yet this young shepherd boy steps forward to take his challenge. And he hasn't got any armor. He's just standing. And Goliath laughs at this man. He seems like a boy. And he says, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? Come here and I will feed you your flesh to the birds and wild animals. And there David stood. With what confidence could David come before such a mighty soldier like Goliath? Well, David reveals it. You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I'll strike you down and cut off your head this very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there's a God in Israel all those gathered here will know that the Lord says, for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands and David says all of that before the fight started can you see him? What sort of craziness? He looks like a little boy. A mighty Goliath. How on earth could he think like that and be so bold? Well, David knew that if God was for him, Goliath didn't have a chance. If God is for us, who can be against us? And how can we doubt the extent of his support? When we've understood the cross of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? It is a simple but profound logic, isn't it? The difference between the greater and the lesser, the harder and the easier. The man who can afford the Ferrari will not leave it abandoned on the side of the road because he can't afford the petrol to put into it. If God has already done the greatest and the hardest thing, the giving up of his own son for us, then guaranteed he will do the lesser an easier thing for us. He will give us all things that, we'll, that, we'll, that we will need to stand with Jesus, our risen Savior, in glory. There's no doubt. If he did not withhold his son, do you think he's going to withhold your direct declaration of forgiveness, your adoption as a child of God, your resurrected body, your place in the new creation, your eternal life? Will he withhold anything that is actually genuinely in your best interest in this life? Will he? Well, there may be knocks and setbacks we experience in our lives. Difficulties and heartaches are inevitable in this groaning world. But for us, the cross of Jesus Christ is the ultimate proof, isn't it? That God is for us. No enemy can defeat us. Secondly, is there any barrister or advocate in Scotland uh, who can make a charge stick against us? No. Just look at verse 33. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. God has irrecoverably, I can't say that word now, irrecover, I can't say it, God has forever declared (laughs) us to be in the right with him. Irrevocably, yes. The judge has already declared we're not guilty. This is what the Apostle Paul has been teaching throughout this whole letter, isn't it? The opening chapters showed us very clearly that whether we're a Jew or a, a Gentile or any ethnic group who's not Jewish, we are all under the power of sin. And there is no one who is righteous. No, not one. But God has made a way that we can be declared righteous by trusting Jesus, who died for sinners and was raised. And by that, we are justified. Our sins are paid. And God the judge declares us not guilty. And there is no lawyer who can make any charges stick against the Christian before God. None. Thirdly, is there an accuser who can effectively condemn us? No. Look at verse 34. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Jesus, who is constantly at God's right hand, will always silence accusers and accusation. No one can condemn us. Now, there's plenty of people who are trying to condemn us, Satan's called the accuser, but he was disarmed by Jesus on the cross. Whatever guilt that could be held against us because of our sin was effectively erased as Jesus paid the full price for our guilt. He who died for us and is now raised to life is forever in God's throne room with the evidence of his his pierced hands and his pierced feet. And his pierced side. So that no accusation can now condemn us. So that now in God's eyes. You are exactly as righteous as Christ himself. That's an extraordinary thought isn't it? Before God. In his eyes you are as exactly righteous. As Jesus Christ himself. Now, we might find that non-Christians may bring accusations against us in our lives, but before God, they are denied the right to bring any charges against God's chosen people. There are times even when we rake up the memories of our past failures, and, and we berate ourselves, and we accuse ourselves, we condemn ourselves, but not even you can bring charges against yourself that will stick before God. Can't be done. You know, our sins may well be an ongoing source of of great regret, but they will not condemn those who have put their trust in Jesus Christ. That's how the chapter started, wasn't it? Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. One of my favorite hymns captures this. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfectly, a great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me, my name is graven in his hands. My name is written on his heart. And I know that while in heaven he stands, no tongue can bid me hence depart. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and I see him there who made an end of all my sin because the sinless saviour died my sinful soul is counted free for God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me praise the Lord fourthly Is there anyone or any situation that can effectively separate us from God's love? Answer, no. Take a look again at verse 35. Who then, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And then he lists all these possibilities. Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness? or danger, or sword, as it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered, quoting from Psalm 44. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, for I am convinced, back to this verse, that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So let's be clear. There are real sufferings in this life that are painful and hard to bear And Paul picks the extremes as a way of saying, if things at the most extreme cannot separate us from the love of God, then nothing in between will either. No person in the whole of creation, no situation, no adversity, no threat of violence will ever be able to separate us from the blessings of salvation in Christ and from God's loving oversight of our lives. And when you have this ultimate um, confidence in the victory of God then you are more than a conqueror Ray Gilear puts it this way if you want to conquer the world don't let anything conquer your confidence in Christ's love not any crisis of death nor calamities of life there's no supernatural powers, whether they're angels or demons. There's no future events in time. There's no space in the world or place in the world. No heights, no depths in the world. There's nothing in the whole of creation. No one and nothing can separate you from the love of God. There's no wedge that can get in between. Paul was utterly convinced my question this morning to you is what about you what about you well if you're not a Christian today and you don't know this deep assurance of the love of God I want to say to you today all of what I've talked about can be yours today it can be yours you can have a fresh start with God today You can have all your sins forgiven today. You can be free from condemnation if today you turn from your rebellion to God. If you ask him for forgiveness today, if you trust in Jesus as the resurrected ruler and savior today, this can all be true of you. And if you'd like help to know more about that or how to do that, if you want someone to pray with you, Please come and speak to me or James, or maybe you know there's a Christian here that you can talk to. We would love to help you today to have the same confidence and assurance. Uh, I've got a wee leaflet I'm happy to give you. Uh, come up and ask me, and it just makes it very cl- plain if you want to take it home and read it and have a think about it. Now, Paul wrote this letter to the church in Rome. Who was the emperor at the time? It was Nero. And if you're familiar with the persecution that Nero put upon the Christians, then you'll know how horrific that was. More than likely, this was what was ahead for this church. Some significant persecution and suffering was ahead for them. And so these verses are so important to anchor us in the face of it. Now, I don't know what uh, direction the United Kingdom is going. I hear so many troubling talk, so much troubling talk from different campaign groups and uh, they want to ban basic things in Christian life you think my goodness where is this heading as a nation maybe more difficult days are coming for us as a church and I think we'll need these deep convictions to hold us steady and my Christian friends if you're here today and you're feeling shaken because life is hard for you Suffering is real and painful, and it threatens to overwhelm you. Would you take time today to consider the cross of Jesus Christ? And then remember this verse. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him? Christ is with you. The risen Christ is with you today. Don't doubt that. Along with him, graciously Give us all things. Let's pray. Oh, Father, I confess that I'm not experiencing suffering and hardship right now. And so it's relatively easy for me to say these things. And I look around this room and I see brothers and sisters. And there are brothers and sisters at home who can't be with us who are experiencing great hardship and sufferings. And so I pray that by your spirit, you would implant these truths deep into each one of our souls, both those who need comfort right now and for us who one day will need these truths. By your Holy Spirit, help us to begin to grasp the greatness of your love for us in Jesus Christ. We ask this in his precious name. Amen.